0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the B2B Power Hour. Today, we're sharing a short preview of our Monday night AMA calls. If you're not aware, uh, we've been hosting a Monday night session where you can ask Nick or me anything that's on your mind. Account strategy, LinkedIn, social selling, content, really uh, anything. If you're interested in joining, shoot us a DM on LinkedIn. We'd be happy to pass along the invitation. Uh, But in the meantime, let's hop into today's episode where Nick is answering a question about prospecting and account strategy.
1: So think about your account list. What are those external features that would allow you to pick them out of a crowd? What are those non-negotiables? So for us, maybe it's headcount, maybe it's... So me and Morgan were even talking about previously that for the people that wanna work with us, if they're doing well, they have a marketing to sales ratio that makes them more attainable. So normally they'll, they'll have less than three marketers but they'll have a five or more uh, sales to marketing ratio. So for every salesperson, they might have every seven salespeople, they might have one marketer. So what are those external factors that you can go on LinkedIn sales nav that shortens this list down? What's their revenue? Is that one of those four to five factors? What's the industry that is... Think about if you were to go and distill every little bit of value From your product and service, say you're quality quality focused, or you are, uh, your API is really clean. Who would get value from that? Where does that value translate to a business case? And what do those businesses look like? Is it, does it matter what market position they're in? Because nobody talks about number two. Maybe you're focusing on number one. And what are those key characteristics that differentiate them from competitors? Why them? I love doing this last note because then I'll go and sell to all the competitors at the same time, because I've already done all my homework. So it's like a, like a five to one special. But think about it. If you're going through sales now, what can you see explicitly? And then, uh, yeah, revenue models, m and track record, Funding, what has made them today? What are those key factors that make them a prime suspect for you to sell to? Because they're not a prospect yet, they're a suspect. Now, we pull the curtains apart and we go and dive into internal. So what can't you know without talking to them? So psychographic evidence, what are, what are their strategies? What is their culture like? Look at how they post. Are they just doing the blank reshare garbage? Are they looking at using more to LinkedIn? Is their culture very open? Do they experiment in public? What are their driving forces? So for example, if you're looking at um, a public company, you can go to their investor reports, look at their annual strategies. What are they focusing on this quarter? What's their SWOT? What are their goals? And then what do they believe about it? What are those attitudes and beliefs? This can be found from their internal team, their board, their executives and key people. Because basically, shit doesn't flow up. People look for certain things because whoever owns the P&L will look for certain things. Whatever's important to them is what flows down. So what do they need to hear to make a decision? And now you're looking at, so what is the physical evidence? Something you can point to if you're a detective or if you're a lawyer going to court, what can you put in front of them that they have to back up? Clues to driving a decision to change. Why would they want to change? Maybe they're using LinkedIn more. You know, Maybe they started using Vineyard and now they're looking at asynchronous plays. Maybe they're, uh, they realize that because they have no access to trade shows and cold calling is not working. Maybe they're having, they're struggling to work remote. So they're now looking at how to go and implement different technology and move to the cloud. But basically you're predetermining the outcome of a sale before you ever start. So you don't have a dry run. You're not doing all this work to get nowhere. And you're building this like psychological profile that it's like, you know them, but it is just, this doesn't take that long. It sounds like it's a behemoth. The first time it might take you a few hours, but once you've done it enough, it takes you about 30 minutes per account. Where this gets a little bit tougher is figuring out some of these business drivers. What are the financial metrics that they judge? What are their KPIs? What is their definition of quality? Is it a main driver for them? What is their competitive drive? Who, like Nike with Adidas, kill Adidas that was Nike's driver for a long time. What is that motto in house that drives them to kick ass? Figure it out. But this is where it gets really interesting. And this is why I said you guys started on step four, is you started on routing. You tried to route into the account before looking at why the account. Right? Then I don't know why this doesn't get taught. But the question you need to ask is Who gets the call in the middle of the night? When shit goes astray and things don't go the way they need to, who gets the call? Who is responsible for that to work? And then think about who are the ultimate victims the individuals whose ability to accomplish personal and professional goals are being stunted. Or eliminated because this change they so desperately need, your product isn't in their lives. Who are those victims in those companies? Don't focus on title yet, focus on responsibilities. What is their day to day jobs that they cannot perform properly? Okay. And then who is the ultimate victim? Who owns the PL? I start with the victims in order to build my formula, but I need to have enough physical evidence before I start to go and start this whole process or else I can, you can go and do 17 proposals and get one close because the proposal is basically taking all of this and writing all of this change management. And basically when you're done that last meeting, you could just submit it because it's all just your notes. And so what is your value hypothesis? Are you also seeing this evidence and does this degree of risk relative to other priorities warrant taking the time to check the validity of this hypothesis? Basically, is this top of mind, do you care? If it, if you do not care, if this is not on your list of things like on the docket this quarter for investment, let's put a pin in it, let's come back. And this is where you building pipeline becomes crazy. Because now you can plan out quarters a year in advance or more depending on their cycles. But you have to ask and you have to have the right person that know how they're funding all of this shit. Okay, first formal contact. My favorite way is getting a like I'm getting a referral. How are you doing that? You guys kind of disregard this, but Does the caller suggest the conversation that is about to ensue may not be appropriate and ask you to decide if it is. Like what you're doing is forcing them to make a decision is is this important when you make that first contact? You know, I gave you this formula, does it make sense? But this first formal contact is the owner of the P&L. You're making your business case. It's that cold call, that email, that LinkedIn message that goes up the ladder. You, I have approached companies six, seven, 10 times before I go to my firm, formal contact, because I've been fact gathering with stuff that I couldn't get off the internet, or because I didn't have access to the tools to do it remotely. But how are you routing into that account? What is the lowest hanging fruit way? Is that executive on LinkedIn? Are they over the age of 55? And maybe it's better to go and send them an email or go and make a cold call because it's more natural for them. Or maybe, you know, surprise and delight them because you see that they're speaking at a trade show in a month and so you show up. Or maybe you send them a gift because it's very obvious that this is really, something's really important in their life. So you send them a cheap gift that's cheaper than, you know, how much money you're going to make on the deal. But this is where it becomes an investment of your time Because this is a lot of work and everything is fighting for our time. And so if you just start with routing, you're you're too far down the list and you're going to be a commodity and you're going to be focusing on price. But when you have key business indicators that you are driving, you're building a business case for a broader implementation than just selling a product. And it might even just be simple. And then... I pulled, like, this is one of my things that I really love is then you set up a diagnostic agreement. Too many of us work for free or cheap. We do all of this problem solving when they haven't agreed they have a problem. I uh, I joke and I call it vampire sales. And, and you know, in, in folklore, vampires have to be invited in in order to to come into your house. They need to invite you to help solve the problem or else you're, if you're always pushing the sale, what do you think is going to happen when they go to implement it? They'll never see value. They won't actually go and be the ones that refer you to future business. You're shooting yourself in the foot, just trying to hit quota. You're not actually placing good business. So what are the parameters for a continued conversation? So, yes, they say in the discovery call that your numbers are correct and that it makes sense. You have a proposed agenda. Who are those participants that need to sit in that discovery call or that next purpose for you to dive into the business case? Have have an ability to get feedback. This is where proposals go so wrong, is it's one-sided. You're guessing what they want to see. Who is your internal champion that can give you feedback to fine-tune this sucker so that you're actually getting to the root of all evil? What are the facts and figures needed to check for symptoms of the customer's problem? Hey, you have a cough, a runny nose, and your eyes are a little red. You look kind of tired, hmm, maybe you have a cold. What are those signs and symptoms that they desperately need you, not that you need them? Info and resources that the customer will bring in the next meeting. I'll bring this if you bring that. The reason this is so important is you are strategically coming together with resources and meeting in the middle. If they're not willing to put any work in to make this work, you are guessing at everything. This is the whole point of doing this diagnostic, of taking this account-based approach, is that you are building the value and have a business case so that way, when you keep prospecting for this over a year, that value still exists. But when we keep guessing, you are it's like going, and me and Morgan experience, I got Morgan to go and experience this the other day, and I know he's laughing, but how long are you going to make the customer work to do our job? How long are you going to go through the process, hoping they see the value Instead of you doing the hard work because we are the professional that does diagnostics every single day and put it in front of them, and then we guess, we, val- we validate it together. Then it's prescriptive and collaborative. Otherwise, it's a numbers game. And nobody likes playing the numbers game.
0: Mm-hmm. Nick, can I ask you a question really quick? In no. terms of, um, one thing I think we're, <laughs> I think one thing we're predisposed about in terms of like host of a show, also like being able to run our own thing. The, the nature of our conversations may be different than like an outreach from an account executive or an outreach from an SDR. So in terms of especially constructing the business case and accessing decision makers who at least have competitive intelligence or, or maybe not decision makers who have intelligence about the, the business. How do you go about and find this information that constructs this account strategy that's really valuable? Um, and, and the first thing that comes to mind is like talking with uh, account, oh, executives, c- talking with SDRs. I've learned a lot. I of
1: love talking to SDRs and BDRs because they feel <laughs> the pain of bad prospecting or bad sales tech, or poor marketing movements. They're the victims, so they give me all of the data I need to go. There's a gentleman, oh, he's not here today. There's a gentleman that should be joining us next week. He gave me all of the information for a business case that uh, is probably about a $40 million problem that I could solve with consulting. because he just told me where their their SDRs are struggling and how they're just using an outdated approach and they just haven't changed it. But now that I have this data, I can build that business case. Somebody so, wrote something in the chat that was really good.
0: Yeah, and and one question alongside that, which I think is super valuable, and I have a comment first about this, is part of this account strategy that we've outlined here today is the pre-work we do before we even reach out to an account, and some of that is is reaching out to uh, stakeholders, quote unquote, or people at the account who we wouldn't um, directly or immediately work with, to gather competitive intelligence. And and this is definitely underrated, I think, in a sales development approach. And Lauren had commented this about in 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 the chat, which is I feel like we're just given the The account list and we think we just think get in there right and that's and that's advice right? That's what sales managers say just get in there right (laughs) Get after these people let's get in front of these people and the reality is the way that we get in front of these people matters the way that we connect with these folks matters and And being able to connect with them about either a fundamental business case depending upon their seniority The fundamental value of our approach being the problem that we solve or the insight that we can provide or the problem that our product solves is incredibly important. Or whether we are just able to build a relationship up front with an individual SDR, an individual account executive, an individual customer success manager, and get an understanding about what is the firm doing? How is that being played out? How how are those companies taking their objectives that they would publish in an annual report and translating them into reality? And where does it fall short? Because one thing we all know, working for our own companies, they always fall short. (laughs) And that's a reality, right? Yeah, the companies have big, ideal objectives, these big missions. And, and they always fall short. And that's because we're human and we're imperfect and we don't do all the work up front. And, and this approach allows us to access that internal knowledge, connecting with an SDR, striking up a conversation that has nothing to do with a pitch, how have you been? What's the company like? What have you experienced over these last three months in terms of your company's approach? And connecting with account executives, connecting with customer success managers, these sort of, uh, you know, quote unquote, entry level positions, that's what SalesNav would filter them as, inside the account to build your competitive intelligence so then when you go and access a senior director, a VP, a CEO, a CMO, a CXO, whatever, that your insight into the firm is greater than any other sales professional that's going to talk to them is a huge advantage. It is unbeatable, in fact, because not only do you understand the value that you provide, which is the standard approach, if you do it well, the value that your company provides, but also the individual dynamics inside that firm that you can insert your value into and you can add a multiplicative effect one thing and nick um uh, i'll turn this back to you but one thing i really love justin michaels talks about a lot who's a sales trainer and big on linkedin is it's much better to talk about adding on to multiplying right not replacing not burning down everything and pulling the band-aid off and trying something new, but adding on to layering on to multiplying on to their current approach is so much more powerful than trying to say, you should stop using this other vendor and you should use us because people are risk averse, right? So the approach becomes less, you should stop using that vendor, you should stop using that or you should stop experiencing that problem and becomes would you consider multiplying your efforts in this area with our product? Would you consider accelerating your efforts in this area with our product? Would you consider you know, multiplying the effects of your team in this area with our product? So now it becomes empowering, but in a really direct way, because empower is sort of a vague verb. Directly talking about the results of that empowerment is like a direct way into those companies that can really make a difference. Anyways, sorry, Nick, go ahead. So I have a question for all of you guys. What needs to
1: change in your accounts for them to see the full value of your product? Andrea at BombBomb. Is that Andrea or Mel? Which one of you guys worked at Bomb- Mel? Me. Yeah. Remember how, how many people bought BombBomb and did nothing with it? Quite a lot. That's pretty common. <laughs> Why is that? feel like they just don't understand the, where it like fits in their world. You know, what does it solve? What does it help them with? Not just like, they obviously understand the value in the sense of, we know video helps sell, but then like, what does it mean to me on a personal level versus just some sales pitch that someone told me about? Um, and then before, I was going to say aversion to like actually doing it. <laughs> It's changed. Something has to change. Their process has to change. The way they look at something has to change. What has to change in your target accounts for them to see the full value of your solution? Now, if you weigh out that opportunity cost and you look at the number you pulled from your value hypothesis, What happens if the cost of changing exceeds the value you offer? Anyone? Are you going after like pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of the change? I think there's a country song about that. (laughs) I'm sure there's a few. (laughs) But think about it. If. So it's one thing to sell a product. It's one thing to buy BombBomb. It's one thing to buy Vidyard. It's one thing to buy SalesNav. How much training, how much mindset shift, how much process needs to go into buying SalesNav and actually seeing the full value from it? I have spent no, I don't want to say it out loud. I've spent too much time trying to figure out how to use freaking sales nav so that it works for me. An embarrassing amount. And the hardest part is you can't find it anywhere. It's something, and a lot of these gurus that know everything about sales nav are such bullshit. That's annoying too, but that's that's a whole different topic. But it's change. How much change is required in that organization. And so this is where we step out of the sales role and we step into the consulting role, which is what we are. Unless you're doing transactional sales, we are consultants. We are selling change. How do we know they're ready to change? How do they, are we making sure that they know how much change is required? You know, a lot of the companies that we work with, if we don't have an SDR manager, in these calls, doing the training, they won't change the way they track. They won't change the way they use LinkedIn. Therefore, you're gonna waste a whole lot of money over the next year to do nothing, a failed initiative. But think of the accounts you're targeting right now. Think of how you did your research. Why them, honestly? One of the one of the best things I ever did, it's it's a little bit different than this, is people used to always go and say, you know, I desert they do the pep talk before they'd ever do cold calls. Actually, I don't know if I've ever said this to anyone before. You guys might get an exclusive here. So everybody used to always say, like, I can do this, this is great. I'd ask myself, why me? I'd ask myself three to five, I'd answer three to five facts of why I'm the best person to be in front of them before I go to meetings. So I was mentally in the headspace of not you need me, but it's like, I'm in a great spot to help you. But think of that on the an account level. This is what's missing on a lot of programs as we talk about email structures and sequences and LinkedIn and DMs and comments and content. And phone calls and phone call etiquette and automatic parallel dialing. And we're starting on number four. What about number one? Because that's one hell of a competitive advantage when you set the buying criteria and you actually find the full value of your solution. Like Morgan said, you don't even have to go big. Just don't rip and replace. Find where the pain is, multiply it. Oh, you know, we could start here and do, you know, a LinkedIn pilot with just three of your reps and see if they can outsell the other 10. You know, let's go and move you over to Microsoft and let's go and see if it outperforms Google. You can do a pilot, but the thing is, you got to go and be more focused on the change required for them to see that full value of doing something differently. Did you love today's episode? Subscribe now to have our three weekly
0: episodes waiting for you. And if you really like our content, please leave a five-star review. But if you're not ready to give us a review, check out another episode and follow us on LinkedIn.
1: We'd love to win you over.
0: See you next time. See you next time.